had desires. I mean, not desires. <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> she said, I've had desires. <laughs> And this is To Be Completely Transparent. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning back in. Um, We are super excited for today's episode. Um, I think it's going to be a good one. Yes, and today we also have a guest. So we have Shaniqua on today. So Shaniqua, please introduce yourself. Um, So my name is Shaniqua Ingle. Um, So a little bit about me is... um, I'm just a regular human who's passionate about social change. I work at The Ohio State University doing um, trainings on intercultural competency, that kind of thing. Um, I'm loud. Um, I am the epitome of the black girl you probably wouldn't like. I'm going to be completely honest. Um, And I'm a beauty YouTuber. I love empowering people. I have a heart for humanity. Um, I think that's really what motivates me to speak out about a lot of the things that I do. Um, I love fashion, weave, hair, all that, but that's pretty much me. I'm pretty normal. Like I don't have this eloquent ass like bio. That's perfect. That's exactly what we want here. Absolutely love to see it. (laughs) All right, Shaniqua. So we're so excited for you to be joining us today. I'm so excited for your insights and, and your thoughts and your, you know, loud opinions because we love that and we want that. So thank you for being here. And we are going to start off with our recurring segment of hot takes. So I'm going to give you a minute to think about your hot take, and I'll start with mine because I have a really basic-ass hot take, but I stand by it. (laughs) If you ask me what movie I want to watch, it will always and forever, my number one choice will always and forever be an animated Disney movie. If you give me an option between, like, Frozen or, like, the avengers you better believe i'm always choosing frozen and i think that they are very high quality and i love them so that's me i think i think you will get a lot of support with that you think i thought you was gonna say i mean i rocks with frozen i also i also have three little nieces but i swore you was gonna say mean girls because everybody (laughs) named mama always talking about mean girls like i don't hate mean girls for sure I still ain't never seen it. I'm gonna be completely honest. I don't really. Mean Girls. You've never seen Mean Girls. Girl, that is not my cup of tea. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I've seen a little bit of it, but it's like stupid. It's like I just see these little quirky, like little white girls bullying these people, and I've just wanted to be like, I'm being completely honest. Lord forgive me, but I'm literally like, why ain't y'all just be her ass? Like you picking on me. And Lindsay Lohan don't have the balls to stand up for If you don't just whoop her ass, like, I just, I don't know. So, yeah, I've never gotten to that kind of thing. That's, that's fair. That's fair. Not to condone violence, but. (laughs) What's your take, Shaniqua? What's your hot take? Y'all, y'all ready for this? Because y'all about to be like, oh, damn. So, my hot take is, and I've stood by this, I do believe, honestly, that all white people are systemically racist. You know, a lot of people will be like, um, oh, all white people are not racist. I think the problem, and I will say this, is the reason we haven't made much progress is because we keep like being stuck on this question of whether white people are racist. Yes, they are. Okay, now what? 
Like it. So honestly, when people are like, well, I'm not one of those racist people. Yes, you are. I still love you. I still messes with you. But we need to understand how you can unravel that. And a lot of people, when I say that, they're like, oh, my God, no. What? Oh, no. And I'm like, see, you're not ready for that conversation. So that's my hot take. And a lot of times people don't, I mean, they don't vibe. But the research says it. No, I am so glad you said that as a as well this white person right here agrees with you so at least there's one okay well my my hot take this week um it's i mean i've always always felt this way and people have been mad at me for this but the correct way to sleep is with socks on year round every single day no matter what winter summer fall spring socks on to sleep it's gonna be a no for me i, I know mm. i know i know I, I i see the reactions and it, it's I, a no i have to stand by it i bet your feet I, hot. yeah i'm your feet probably hot no but i'm always cold so they have to be it's gotta like balance it out you know i i think the socks like i don't agree with that like i will not wear socks all the time but i think the weirder thing about you is you sleeping in a beanie Okay, in the indoors all, you didn't have to tell the people y- that. yes you he sleeps with a I didn't I didn't tell them that and then you just kind of exposed you me okay I had to I had to, to. it's weird you don't even got no hair <laughs> <laughs> well that means I gotta I gotta stay I, warm you, I gotta have something else to keep me warm it's weird you don't, your head don't itch no it I just I just put the beanie on and go to bed and oh. then I wake up the beanie's on well thank this you is, Sarah for like, exposing I, it to because I never <laughs> never even knew that about I will thing. like never like, I will get like good you know, morning snaps and he's laying in bed still like has not gotten out and he's wearing a beanie and I'm like literally why for what reason I can't if y'all don't know I'm always cold I have to stay warm hence the socks what do you have your heat on the heat is because on. to what that is a good question that is a good question me and other people don't agree on the temperature naturally because I would keep it at like seventy. Oh, you got roommates? If I could, correct. So everyone else is you like, I'm roommates? sweating. I'm is literally they, is sweating. They, is they white? Is they white? <laughs> that might be, that might be, tell- that's, no, that might be why because, we can't put it at 73. No. <laughs> I'm telling y'all. I, I had this whole, when I lived in the dorm, I had this whole, I asked my friends that because we were all, our friend um, Katie, who used to room with us, She's from California, but, you know, she was in a room full of three mm. black girls. And I remember she'd always be like, guys, I'm so hot. And I'm like, Katie, it is on 73. What the hell? Like, and I literally went to the Dirty 535. They used to be this uh, floor. They called themselves our white bros. And so I went to them. I was like, do y'all like heat? And he's like, no, <laughs> we prefer to stay cool. And I was like, that's it. I think it, I really think it, it has something to do with the melanin. I swear. Because that has always been an argument. And I was like, there may be a few outliers. I'm not saying that every single white person on God dang on earth don't like heat. But I'm saying, for the most part, like, black folk, like, you go to their house, it's on 74, 75, 73, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. But you go to their house and they like, oh, we're trying to preserve, you know, like, I remember one friend. Oh, she probably going to die if she hear this. I went to her house. And we was watching a movie. And child, she she texts us. This is how crazy it is. She texts us and said, forewarning, we don't keep the heat up very high. So I'm like, okay, that's fine, you know. I go there, y'all. 
she said she actually said to preserve energy i think that's what it was electricity or something so i was like oh, okay who do that but whatever we go there y'all i could see my breath i swear to bob like like but then when i asked her gonna be a no about me. unplugging outlet she was like who does that but i thought she wanted to conserve energy and i remember chow I, cause when I'm cold, I fall asleep. I'm like a bear, y'all. Like I gotta hibernate if I'm like if it's not warm enough. And chow, I fell asleep. She gave me a blanket cause I was shivering, y'all. My sister was embarrassed by me, but I don't care. I was shivering. And she gave me a blanket, y'all. I was knocked the heck out. I ain't, what movie? And so then I knew I was like, okay, I gotta when I go over somebody's house, you know, over my friends, I gotta ask them do they like heat, and I gotta bring my own blanket hilarious all right well i guess we are going to dive into our topic today so today we're going to talk about classism so with classism obviously this is a a large umbrella topic there are many many directions to go with this Um, there could be a part one part two part three um so what i'm going to start with i'm going to read a definition of classism and then We'll dive in a little further. So classism is differential treatment based on social class or perceived social class. And then let me add one more thing. So then, then below it says classism is the systematic oppression of subordinated class groups to advantage and strengthen the dominant class groups. I'll, I'll kind of pivot this now to, to you, Shaniqua. Um, one, do you agree with that definition? And, and how would you describe classism to say someone who is very unfamiliar how would you start that conversation explaining what it is yeah so i mean that's spot on especially with the addition of the second one i will add too though that it didn't go in particular detail about the categories right because it's going to say um perceived social class um we have so many influencers that that allow us to make those perceptions right um like we perceive someone um, who is maybe let's say Muslim is um, subordinate because they aren't the dominant religion so you take any of those categories they're all going to go up to that white Christian heterosexual you know what I'm saying reality that anyone who doesn't fit within this superior identity is you know subordinate but I think even within that we have a social hierarchy in terms of like who's subordinate right um so i would love to say that like all of us are like on the same level of subordinate but you go to um looking historically at like um let's per se rural poor white people and then poor black people even within that community you have this idea of them feeling uh superior even though it's like hey we all broke like (laughs) you know but for some of them it's like the reality is i would rather hold on to that identity that i feel gives me some type of uh, superiorness um, in, in many categories. Um, but yeah, I would say it's spot on. If I had to explain it to somebody, I would go in more detail and talk about specifically how communities create it, even within communities. So that intergroup dynamic, right? We're going to have lighter skin versus darker skin people. Um, and there's power that backs those. Yes, those all lead up to white supremacy. You know what I'm saying? Rooted from, but those are still, I guess, structures that are in place that, that make someone, you know, superior and inferior because of these these social or perceived social uh, categories. Yeah, totally. I think that was a great uh, expansion on the definition. 
Um, and it is, you're so right. There's so many factors and, and influences here, but you know, it's, it's important to, to start to address them and start to learn about them. Even if it does seem like it's this complex, complicated topic, like people, especially white people, especially people with power have to just like dive in and start to learn about this. So, um, I'm really excited that we're going to continue to, to break it down a little bit today. Um, but I'm wondering from, from your perspective, what do you think the biggest misconception about classism is and you can take that however you want but but what do you think people maybe don't don't know about classism or or don't understand fully I think the biggest thing and as a spiritual person I will say I am I do identify as a Christian and my faith has a lot to do with how I move in terms of social advocacy in particular looking at the black church and how it you know what I'm saying allowed them to conquer things like that I think the biggest thing is that people believe classism has more to do with money and they miss the power component because a lot of people will be like oh I don't have money Mm -hmm. I don't have no it's not just money that equals power you may not and that's kind of what I was giving with that um the white rural poor community you know, they're like, oh, well, I'm not benefiting. You got to understand on the level of what we're looking at. Classism is not just about the bougie folk. You know what I'm saying? And then I think, too, like people have to understand just as white supremacy is ingrained, so is classism, even for people of color, um, even for people of the BIPIC community. I talked about me growing up in poverty, but also being able to achieve some type of mobility, it's still at the same time something that I have to take into account that is no longer an oppressed identity that I have. I now have privilege in that sense. You know what I'm saying? I may not have, you know, in terms of being a white person, but compared to, let's say, black people who may be queer, black people who may be trans and poor and different things like that, you have to understand that it's something that all of us take a part in. Even if you can't identify, you could be the most oppressed of oppressed, whatever that is, um, you know what I'm saying? You still have a role in which some way you benefit from the system of classism because there's cer- certain um, attributes that you have that give you power. Um, so hopefully that makes sense. Sometimes I can go on tangents, child. No, I think it's great. It does make sense. Um, and I mean, these, these topics of merit come up a lot. Uh, where you know people are like, well, you know, just like you were saying, well, well, I'm poor, or I don't benefit in this way, and I think that that merit conversation is one that people don't often understand. I mean, there's nepotism, mm-hmm. just you know, the people who are supporting you from the top, regardless mm-hmm. of you know where you fall mm-hmm. within that that social class, that makes a difference. And and the thing, you can I add on to that? Yeah. What you, your last your last statement, I think it's so funny that you said that about nepotism, because I read an article about Forbes on LinkedIn like a minute ago, and I was having this debate with someone. Um, they were saying that most of the jobs that are achieved that white people get are due to their personal network. And um, one of the things I was like, okay, they tell us the network and network, but if I only rely on hiring white people that I know, I'm going to continue to have this homogenous Um, network of employees but it makes it even harder for people to infiltrate so even though I'm saying network 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 I'm still gonna go to my cousin my nephew people I know hey you got a son that's looking for a job I'm gonna go to them which in turn is not going to create the access that we hope so that's why I tell people even with my students yeah they're telling you to network network but at the end of the day you still have to get the buy-in of a white person who's gonna be like hey 
you see this Asian person, you see this Latinx person, hey, I think they're good, which is why it's so problematic and systemically oppressive in terms of access to jobs, especially when it comes for people trying to achieve some type of mobility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, the people ultimately at the top have the final say. So it almost, I don't want to say it doesn't matter because obviously, you know, people are, yeah. there's going to be a bunch of different hires and jobs and things like that. Yeah. But the, the power is still at the top with these people. And mm -hmm. we know this person, we know this person, we know this person. So ultimately these millions and billions all are within this area. So I still have to do extra work maybe if I want to infiltrate <laughs> them. Like, you know, you, you got to work three times as hard maybe and then you'll you'll get a shot and that's 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 everywhere not only just you know your basic job down the street but in in politics in sports mm -hmm. entertainment all industries you can see examples of it the ones where the media is covering them it's very clear like mm -hmm. how has this line of 13 extremely wealthy people just continued on this easily like this person might not even be that that talented like how did how did it happen this way um, Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a I have a related question. So I think recently I have seen a lot of people in various industries trying to make this push for diversity and emphasizing diversity and, you know, trying to bring up those conversations in the workplace. And I mean, maybe this is me being like, a little pessimistic or a little skeptical, but I always kind of look at those as like, just talk, right? Like, I don't know. I don't know that mm. I can see how that's actually going to change things. And I'm curious from, from your perspective, what you think about those initiatives? Do you think that they, you know, have a benefit or is there a better way that people can be doing this to, to start to break down essentially white pipeline of folks who, who are just mm -hmm. getting these jobs and they might have like a diversity officer now or something, but what does that do? <laughs> does it do anything? Like, you know, like what's, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Sarah, I will say, girl, me and you both being pessimistic. Okay. <laughs> so I think for me, the biggest thing I tell, I tell my students all the time because we have a lot of these conversations and I tell them, if you never had a conversation like this before, you're going to have one now. One of the ways, because we know diversity is becoming a buzzword, there's always this, um, right. uh, it's funny because during the church service today, I don't know if you guys know who Dr. Um, Reverend William Barber is. He's a big advocate. You've probably seen him, you know, denouncing Trump going out, like he's a big advocate for economic advancement for it's the poor people's campaign that was started by MLK like years ago. Um, but he was just saying that anytime you see this push for diversity, anything, follow the money. And it's funny because that hit me. I'm like, oh, there's always a a benefit to the majority community, whether they're the board members, the owner, the CEO, the B-suite, whoever. There's always a motivation by money to put people in seats. Now, do I think there are people who want to bring actual change? Yes. But I also understand that there's multiple things that need to be addressed in order to achieve what we would say an equitable society that neither one of us will be around to see. Now, I'll, I'll give the example of the beauty community. I'm a makeup artist and a beauty influencer. Um, during Black History Month, you will see a lot 
of beauty companies i'll use maybe say tarte you know i'll use them because they literally been getting on my nerves lately um they'll have these campaigns and for the first time you will see their social media feeds filled with all kind of black people you know what i'm saying black trans women black queer men you know you will start to see and the funny thing i tell people go back beyond 30 days go back scroll keep scrolling Look at what their feeds look like beforehand. You know what I'm saying? It's easy for me to put a black person, a Latino person on a flyer and be like, hey, we welcome you. We support you. But what are you doing to make sure that not only are we compensated equitable to what we deserve, but we're compensated more than our white counterparts? Because we not only have to contribute the job, we have to deal with the racial microaggressions. We have to deal with the fact that you want us to take our trauma and help you have creative ideas based off of that. So then too, if you want to also, you know, create these jobs, how are you advertising them? People will go and put stuff on LinkedIn and stuff. What if people don't have access to stuff like that? You know what I'm saying? Even beyond that, what kind of programmings for mental health services, you know, do y'all have? Do y'all have people of color or indigenous individuals as therapists? You know what I'm saying? Y'all saying y'all want to support us, but if every person I have to reach out to is white, you know what I'm saying? And a straight male, first of all, I'm not talking to them. I don't, what do I want to talk to them for? You know, and it's like, the reality is, it's like, it's so much that has to be done. And I'm like, y'all so quick to put something on a flyer and advertise, do the work first. Let it speak for that. Like I will say PNG, I don't know if you guys have seen their, their, their videos they've done in the past couple of years, but they have been really spot on, but you also don't see them on everything. PNG, PNG, we sell bleach, we sell this. They've just been putting stuff out. If you haven't seen their recent video that they've done about there's more, widen the story about particular black people, it was phenomenal. It was led by black people. It was created by black people. If you want to do something in a community, let them lead it. That is where you see whether or not the organization is truly about equity. The moment it starts becoming about white people and their savior syndrome, it's not about equity then. And that could be even on the basis of, you know what I'm saying, sexual orientation. You know, the moment you have straight people leading the narrative for the reality of queer or trans people or androgynous people and not them leading it, it's not about the original, it's, it's not about them then. It's not about the original community because you're going to make it about you and you're seeking power and affirmation. And I think for me, I'm not saying I'm pessimistic, but I'm going to look at companies and be like, who's leading the narrative? Are you guys familiar with who Robin D'Angelo is? The writer of White Fragility? So she uh, had a talk at OSU. It was so bomb, but I was so triggered. I couldn't finish it. But when she came on, she started dropping stats, y'all. I can't remember every stat, but she dropped every major industry, like you said, sports, music, everything, and how majority of the representation is white people. But then she even got to the NBA, where majority of the leaders and owners of teams, I think she said 93% are white men, but how many percent are players? 75% of the NBA is a black player. You know what I'm saying? So when you look at that, it's like for them, oh, well, it's not a big deal that that many people own. Yes, it is when it's an industry that runs off of the backs of black bodies. You know what I'm saying? That's what makes it problematic. So I think a lot of times with these companies, you know, I like your little banner, you know, even with the women's march, I like, I like us looking like unity, but how are we really having unity when we're in the workplace and we got to deal with fragile white folk all the time, which is hence my issue. 
You know what I'm saying? And yes, there are people that I love who are white that literally get it. But the sad part is the other 90 something percent don't get it, refuse to get it, will be blind to it and will deliberately work against anything that could expose them to something different than the reality that they see. So at that point, I'm like, I don't really care about this little chief diversity officer job you didn't give somebody. Are you going to hold people accountable to do the work? And that means even people like you and I on a lower level. Don't just give them no quizzes. If people aren't behaving in a manner that's inclusive, fire them. That's how I see Fire them. Fill their spot with somebody who's going to do the work. That's how I know we, we going to bring about change. You know, until then, they can shut up with that stuff because I'm tired of seeing it. Hell. Your example about the 90-something percent, 93% ownership Every time I see people point out statistics like that, I'll like you know, either go to the comments, go mm-hmm. like read something, and it's always a but this, but this, but mm-hmm. LeBron James made one hundred million, or but they're getting paid X amount of dollars, and that's missing the mark because we're still we're still missing mm-hmm. you know the actual problem with why is this this league 95% owned by these white billionaires. And then you said it though, how much are they getting paid? That's the get. Yes. LeBron oh, exactly. is getting paid, but how much is, is Dan Greer, whoever, the, how much is they getting paid? They're almost all billionaires, multi-billionaires. So no, that, I mean, that, that stuff makes sense. And I, I do really wish that people were less argumentative um, in their responses. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, well, no, that, that can't be true. Well, how are you telling me that that cannot be true? Like, this is the lived experience of a lot of people. How are you going to just be like, okay, well, no, it's all fine because that $100 million contract, though, like, we're not getting to the root of it. So I'm glad you brought that up. That was all extremely, extremely valuable. And I want to also kind of direct this to you. You, I saw you posted something about, about classism and elitism. Would you say, I guess if you were, if you were adding the term elitism, what would you add to the conversation Mm -hmm. specifically saying, okay, how do classism and elitism coexist? Or like, you can't talk about one without talking about the other. Is there anything specific you would add to that conversation? Because I I hear a lot of kind of elitist comments and um, I don't think that's one that we openly talk about as much. So what does that look like for you and what in your experience? So to me, uh, first I'll start by saying what I was referring to in that, that particular status. For me, elitism is like the, the child that is birthed out of the bigger system of classism. Um, that can be within an intergroup dynamic most of the time, I feel like. Um, because, you know, classism is like, oh, this group is this. I think a lot of times, to me, elitism refers to a lot more characteristics of I'm better than you not only am I inferior you that my quality of life is better than yours and a lot of times I I think when I was using that example me and my friends will talk a lot of times about the black community for example this is I'm using the black community because I'm a black person that's my point of reference um but we'll talk about different things such as like when people start to word police you know a lot of times you know it's cute to use slang now but we will, you know, kind of like nitpick stuff about a person, assuming that their opinion is less important than yours or their story is less important than yours because the way they communicate isn't the same or the way that they dress is not the same. Um, I see a lot of times, even when we're, you know, like I said, even when people like you and I, Nathaniel, who have went to higher education institutions, 
we still have ways about us that are community specific. But sometimes when we, you know, may critique somebody, you know, who dresses with baggy pants and stuff. Now, I don't like the baggy pants trend, but the reality is some people, it's not a trend. It's literally their pants may be too big or this, that, and the third. And so sometimes when people say stuff like those thugs, it's automatically this assumption that by this one characteristic, I'm about to pull all these stereotypes and assumptions that I've perceived about you onto you to justify why you are lesser than. And to me, that's where the problem exists because it's like, okay, you've experienced that to a certain extent, but now you've internalized it and you're spitting that back on to the community in which you're a part of and you don't realize it. And the reason I say it's like kind of like white supremacy with, you know, racism with colorism, a lot of times people don't realize the damage and how they're affirming the bigger system. And I think sometimes with the elitism, we don't realize we're affirming the bigger system and promoting the bigger system of classism. You know, a lot of people will say stuff like, I'm a good person, I'm a this, I'm a that, but then we'll turn around and be like, oh yeah, she's, you know, she's pretty ghetto, or oh, you know, they live there. And a lot of times we'll use descriptive assumptions instead of just saying like, for example, when people say I'm in a sketchy neighborhood, or how it's about I'm just in a poor neighborhood, like, Give it the term of what it is, but now I've given it that term, but I've pulled all these assumptions in. Because when I say it's a sketchy neighborhood, I'm also saying these people are unsafe, these people are unfit. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things that have to be unpacked when we make these these bigger elitist statements, if that makes sense. Instead of just being like, hey, I'm driving through an impoverished neighborhood, I don't know where I'm at, leave it at that. You know what I'm saying? Some people, oh my God, these people are savages. Oh my, I mean, it's just like, and to me that's problematic because like I said, you can think you a good person, but you're doing harm by that way. You know, especially when you sitting on Mm -hmm. a city council board or you sitting on wherever and these thoughts are coming out in policies and you don't realize you're harming these communities you're talking about. Yeah. The impact of of those words is is Mm -hmm. huge. You know, we, Sarah and I have had conversations about just unpacking where these initial thoughts come from because there are so many things for Mm -hmm. years and years and years that have been internalized like in your head you have an immediate reaction regardless Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. whether Mm -hmm. it be what neighborhood you're in or like these people walking down the street you're thinking something and even that Mm -hmm. good person that really great guy whatever they're gonna Mm -hmm. think something and you have to be like wait what does that mean? Why did I think that? Where did I learn that? Mm-hmm. And how do I actually work on that? Where do we go from here? So that's very, very valid. That is extremely valid. Uh, that's an awesome point. And I also think it ties back into your first hot take about how all white people are racist. And I think about about this contribution to classism and elitism in a similar fashion. All white people participate, even quote unquote woke white people are participating in in this wholeheartedly just by the by the way that we are and the way that we live, especially within the context of the United States. And so, yeah, I mean, Nathaniel, you hit it right on the head about, you know, challenging that initial thought. And I that's something that, you know, I had to work on. I still work on all the time. Right. It's like my initial thought. Like when I'm driving through those neighborhoods, my initial thought is, you know, let me hold my purse a little closer to me. And then I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. Why do I feel this way? You know, like what mm-hmm. what factors in society have taught me that this is this should be my reaction? 
what factors have I internalized? What factors have I believed regardless of other evidence? Right. And and let's unpack that. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad you you brought that up because I think there are a lot of people who feel like they are socially aware and they are, you know, supportive of social justice movements, especially I'm talking white people mostly at, at this point who who think that they're participating in a productive fashion and they they may be in some ways but there's also Ooh. so many ways in which they are probably not so i'm i'm glad that you Ooh. brought this up and i and i am just really hopeful that people out there listening take time to reflect on this and think about it in their own lives hey, that i had a a white friend tell me a few years ago we were having this same kind of conversation and they were like, you know, I, I benefit from this system. I'm racist. Like they, they worded it that way. And many years ago, I was like, I was like, that, I mean, that seems a little harsh. Like you're racist. And <laughs> we're, we're having this conversation, but it makes, it makes sense. Like just because of what we've been talking about, like the system is the way it is and it's going to have the effects it's going to have. And some people are going to automatically be, at a different level doesn't mean they have more money doesn't mean mm-hmm. they're they're happy all the time but that still exists so it's made me think of that because if someone can say that you you know you you associate that with this is a bad person like this is person, racism yeah. is bad clearly <laughs> so uh, i just i just wanted to add that in because it, it really it follows the line with what we've been discussing i'll let you proceed oh oh no worries and i really i wanted to add to your statement sarah because i think if anybody listening my word of advice would be you're never i don't even care if you're in the bipic community but especially for white liberal people there's no point in time where you should feel like your journey of learning has stopped your journey of having power has stopped there are so many people in the workplace and i literally deal with this as we speak who believe that if I do these one, two, three things, that that qualifies me. That's the problem. That's the thinking. You got to understand this is a way of life for people. People can't turn on being black, being They can't turn it on, turn it off. So the reality is you have to think at a, a way of betterment for your lifestyle until you die, until your children's children. You know what I'm saying? This idea that if I label myself as progressive, you know, it's really just, again, affirming of whiteness because you don't want to be held accountable. And I've seen people in my space who will literally talk about, you know, oh, I love inclusion. I love this, but will constantly mansplain over me, will constantly speak up over me as if, and, I, and don't get me wrong now, I checks it, but I'm saying will constantly do things. And it's like, can you take that little banner off your Facebook page? Because that's doing nothing to hold you accountable from stopping being in these meetings where you're constantly talking about you want to advocate for black women, in particular mother colleague who's Indian. But the moment your ass have to get assigned an assignment, you over there boohooing and you will use your white fragility in that moment to put more work on the backs of people of color. To me, you have not changed. You don't you're not even aware of your actions because you're continuing to benefit. And you're not being held accountable. So sometimes I'd be like, keep the little banner off Facebook or the profile. That's all affirming. And it can go for all of us as well. That's just making us feel good. I'm not saying you can't have a banner. FYI, this was not the point. (laughs) But I'm saying like, quit all the, the surface level BS that really just makes us feel good about ourselves. Even though we continue to do stuff that brings harms to the communities we proclaim to help. You know what I'm saying? Intent versus impact is real. I don't care if you feel good in your good of hearts. If you prayed about it to the good Lord before you said it, it is still problematic. 
The racial microaggressions are still problematic. The fact that you can think you're more qualified than me just because you are who you are and you don't have as many years of experience as I have, that is the problem. So a lot of times I want people to really look at their everyday life and figure out, okay, what ways can I do better? Besides social media, I think that may be the biggest downfall of our generation is we are so concerned with making people look like we're making progress. I say this all the time, posting about it doesn't equate to action. It can equate to awareness, but it is not action. What matters most is when you log out of that damn phone and you go in your community and you vote and you do things that bring change. I don't care about your status. You can say you with me all you want, but then that disregards the fact that it implicit bias is real that I can say one thing consciously and still say and do other things unconsciously so I'm just you know a lot of times I'd be like y'all have got to really wake up and again it's same for people like me again I can assume that I know what a community needs but when I'm no longer a part of that community it is my job to listen when you have that privileged identity it's your job to listen and if you don't know any voices that are speaking go find them that's your responsibility to do that. You know what I'm saying? Instead of you just going on social media, oh, I think I know what to know. Go listen. Go be a bridge builder. So you know how people will reach out and they'll say, you know, maybe they've done a different amount of work or they are still just really maybe at the beginning trying to understand, trying yeah. to listen, trying to learn. Mm -hmm. And someone will come to you and say, I don't know. I, I'm just unsure what to do, where to start. What, what can I do to help? So have, first of all, has anyone directed that question towards you? Someone who's very oblivious maybe, or just isn't sure. And, and how, how do you respond to that? I've, I've, I have received that question quite a few times and sometimes I have a, a decent response. Sometimes I'm like, I, I'm tired. I just don't, I don't have <laughs> any to try to, <laughs> try to explain this to you, but I, I get that they're very far from where I'm at or, you know, where someone else is. Mm -hmm. So how do I give them valuable information? How did you give them valuable information? What did you direct them to? What, what would you say to them? So, yes, I do get that question a lot. And I'm going to be honest, Shaniqua in undergrad would have been a lot more focused on teaching people. I'm not going to lie. But Shaniqua now mm -hmm. realizes it's not my damn responsibility. So first I would ask them this. Mm -hmm. Do you use social media? If you can use social media, if you can use the worldwide net, net the web, Google, if you don't Google it, mm -hmm. like, I mean, the, the information you can find right now, if you just put in anti-racism work beginner, boom, books will pop up. The same way you learned this will be the same way you unlearned it without the help of black people, without the help of BIPIC people. So here's the thing. I will give book recommendations. I will give things. But I, the goal is that your reliance on somebody else to teach you is the not the right start. You should have that motivation yourself. Like I said, we're a generation where we can look shit up in a second. So you mean to tell me? Mm -hmm. Yo, but can't go find something out there. I mean, so on the TV, it's different things. So for me, I, I do appreciate that people have a desire. I've had conversations with people of all age levels about this who are beginners and older. You know, and I tell them, I can't tell you how to start because your identity will impact where you need to start at. You know what I'm saying? I think sometimes people want people to walk them through it 
which in turn, again, is that white privilege of that you have someone to walk you through it. Do you, you know, the funny things I tell people is that I was watching, if you guys haven't watched um, the PBS series by Henry Louis Gates um, on the black church and social justice, it just came out, but it tells everything about the transatlantic slave and like how their different faiths were combined and different things. It's really phenomenal. But one of the things they said was the intentionality that used to go behind preventing, you know, Negroes or black people from reading, right? Because if you can, if you can manipulate the ability to understand something, you can control them. And it was funny how they taught themselves. Again, people have come to a faraway land, you know, trauma, different things. Imagine I have anxiety, right? There are times where I can't focus. Imagine having that kind of trauma and you still have to continue to seek, to learn, to question, to validate, you know, and you can't, you can't read. You got to learn. So I'm sorry. If they can learn, we have no excuse. <laughs> We have none, okay, because the things that they learned, it was crazy. Y'all was like, dang, here I am getting frustrated with some of the literature I done read as if I, you know, I got ebooks, you know, all kind of stuff I can cross-reference, but they had nothing, nothing, and still learn, oh, come on, you know, so sometimes I just, I'm to the point where I'm like, I can't walk you through it. I'll get book recommendations. You know what I'm saying? Lately, a lot of what I've been giving is white fragility. But I find, too, that there are sometimes white people who will ask, but they really don't want your answer. They really don't. They're trying to do the right thing. And again, I'm like, I don't want people trying to do the right thing. I want you to actually want to figure it out. And most of the times, those people will figure it out on their own. Now, if somebody's reading stuff and they're like, I do have a lot of people, like a lot of my friends and stuff, like one of my close friends, he's queer and white, you know, in the black community. There's a lot of long racist history with queer white people. I mean, white people in general. But he will always be like, uh-uh, I done read this. I ain't know this. So we'll talk about it. Now, that's different because you took the effort on your own. We're just discussing. But there are a lot of white people who want you to be like, tell me this. What do I do? How do I stop doing it? I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I think that's a hundred percent valid. And that's, that is uh, feedback that I have heard as well. You know, as, as I have embarked on a lot of an, an educational journey and I made those missteps at the beginning too, asking my friends of color or, you know, people who are different than me, what should I do? Right. And they were like, you know, a lot of them were nice and they appeased me. And, and that was, you know, looking back on it, free labor that I elicited from them. And I, I recognize that, you know, but I, I, it's totally valid. I mean, it makes, it makes total sense to me. And I think too, it used to, like, I'm not going to lie to a certain extent, it used to piss me off, but honestly, mm -hmm. I'm just as calm as I am now. I'd be like, mm -mm. and then if I see, I get pushback, I'm like, you don't really want to learn. So stop talking to me. Like, like there was a newscaster, a news anchor, whatever. His name is Frank something, but he, he became kind of like this. This is the perfect story of why I'm going to tell you intent versus impact is different. And someone can seem like a good person on the outside. But again, racism is not about just being a good or bad person. It's being racist, period. Like you need to change that part. I don't care if you think you're a good or bad person. So he, he's a, he's a white older man. He's a news anchor. I forget what for, but you can literally look up Frank news anchor black daughter so he um he went viral because 
he shared a picture with his daughter and he was talking about how he was learning as a white person because you know we we fleek our, our baby hairs i mean it's been yeah we that's what we do he was like for the first time i learned why my daughter needed two toothbrush you know like because one is for your edges and one for your teeth you know and at first like he was just talking about learning and and i was like you know what this is good right here this is good this is what i like to see it makes me feel good you know but then homeboy I notice he does these things where he'll post. Again, this is what I was saying where white people are looking for affirmation more than a challenge. So he posted about an argument his daughter and because I noticed he only posts about his black daughter. And I was like, wait, you got a whole white daughter. You don't ever put your debates on Facebook the way you do your black child. That right there is problematic. You're invading her privacy. What if these conversations, which are probably more traumatic than the ones you will have with your white daughter, you keep putting them on social media. So one of the things I noticed, he had this argument about the N-word because he told his daughter not to use the N-word and da-da-da-da-da. And she said, you know, this generation is different. We're allowed to have different views for some people. They don't believe in the word because it has a history of trauma. But some people in this generation believe it's reclaiming our word. It's our word, our power now. And so, like I said, there are, I've heard this debate years and years. So I, I understand. But like I said, even if somebody chooses, my whole stance is as long as nobody who ain't black. Well, one, don't call me that if I don't know you. But definitely nobody who's non-black should be using that word. Period. That's not hard to follow. Like, if black people do it, let them do that. But that's not hard to follow. Like, it's not hard. So, she, the dad went on about this tangent, and he's like, well, and then it turned into rap music, and I don't like the way that they refer to women as bitches and hoes. And I'm like, you know, that's not every rap song, though, but okay, we're not going to go there. So, it started off, he said, my daughter called me racist today because I was trying to police her reality. And I thought the way that I perceived things was the way she should have. But I'm just being a dad. And it's not about being white. It's about being a dad. And this guy clearly wasn't willing to acknowledge that. Whether you want to or not, you will always be a white man who has a black daughter. This is not the age of colorblindness where you don't recognize your power. You will always benefit in more ways than your daughter will. Always. And so sometimes it's not about what you think. You need to listen to your daughter. Like she lives a reality that you can't even encompass. So just be quiet. And so people were telling him this. And he kept posting, getting defensive. Well, no, it's not about that. I'm her only dad. It's, and so... I began to see, I was like, this guy, I thought he was about learning to be inclus like inclusive. He's looking for affirmation. It's always been that way. So it could come off as somebody being a nice, inclusive person. You know what I'm saying? They could take pictures with all, even the same with police officers. They could take pictures with little black kids. But how are they in terms of, of their policing strategies? Are they really listening to the community? Or are they ready to shoot whenever they get a shot? You know what I'm saying? It's it's all about looking at what people do, you know what I'm saying, behind closed doors. And for him, I was upset. I ended up unfollowing him the other day because he did another post about it. After people were telling him to take the post down, he kept disregarding it. He was looking for people in the comments that were like, no, it's not about race. It's about you being an adult. It's the younger versus the older generation. How about it's all that, but race is still included. Race is still an influencing factor. So your ability to dismiss race and stuff like that, you know what I'm saying? And even dismiss the, the ways that the hierarchy you know, you benefit from the hierarchy. It doesn't actually help. And so I was kind of disappointed with that. So I say all this to say that, like, even if people in their well-intended hearts can mean something, it's still, it's still harmful in ways that you wouldn't even understand. Like, 
All right, well, I want to ask sort of like a, a wrap-up question about classism and what, what we should do about it, right? Like, I know this is a, like we acknowledge, it's like a very complex topic that has so many layers to it. But I'm curious, you know, if you personally had all of the resources, all of the privilege, all of the power, anything you wanted at your fingertips, you know, what would you do? What would you do about classism in the U.S.? And what would you change? Like, where would you start, maybe? So the funny thing is, uh, I'll start by saying I'm reading a book um, by Ibram X. Kendi called Stamped from the Beginning. It's a deep read. I'm not gonna lie. It's a thick book. Uh, it actually talks about, again, how so- social hierarchy began in the first place. Um, I think I don't have an exact answer because as I'm reading, it's so ingrained, like even to the point where I'm learning about how even within the Islamic community, they were justifying, you know, black people being slaves. And I was like, oh, dang, I didn't even think I'm this whole time thinking about Christian slave owners and, you know, previous. This is also during ancient times. So before we even think about the U.S., right? And I just see how so embedded this idea of it doesn't matter. It could be on the basis of skin tone. It could be on the basis of, you know, um, even like India, you know what I'm saying? Their caste system. There's so many systems in which people continue to devalue the lives of others. So for me, I have a hard time trying to figure out how to make a change. Um, I think what works for me is I try to keep educating myself. I think that's the biggest thing. I think if we became more intentional about educating ourselves before we responded or before we acted, I think a lot of people would behave in different ways. What I mean by that is not that you got to think like, hold on, I read this paragraph. Let me think about it before I respond. No, I'm saying that some of us spend most of our times, whether it's on social media, on the phone, we spend so much time responding to other people. And for me, and maybe this is because I do value alone time, I'm somewhat of a hermit, to be honest i'm social but i'm a hermit spend that time educating yourself if you're really serious about it you know what i'm saying because a lot of us you know we say we're serious about it then we go to the mall let me go buy my gucci bag or my louis vuitton tote and let me go do this you know and we spend our days consumed by things that actually have nothing to do with the fight towards equality and i'm not saying you got to spend every second every minute but being intentional about a chunk of your time and I think for me every day I'm trying to read more engage more I read articles that challenge me and I do read comments um sometimes I have to take a break because it it has it does trigger me but I read to see what other people are thinking because oh my god how did they get to that point what resources can I use to understand not that so I can fix it for them no but the people that are on the rebuttal of that response or that action or that belief, I can help them. I'm not concerned about the people who continue to engage in oppressive manners. I'm more concerned about freeing the people who are oppressed because of that. And so for me, a lot of times, just read. Like, there's so many. Like like I said, that Ibram X. Kendi book is so, oh my gosh. I'm like, there are times I got to put that book down because I'm like, oh, we are doomed. I mean... Not to be, like I said, a pessimistic, but when you understand how ingrained it is, you understand that there's not going to be one way that we can fix this. It's not going to, it's going to take you figuring out what is going to be your part. For for my portion, education is it. I work with students. You know what I'm saying? I'm not working with people who want to argue with me. No, but I'm saying 
I work with people and my goal is to plant seeds. But outside of that, my job is to educate myself. You know what I'm saying? Because I think sometimes we think if we work a job in social justice or diverse inclusion and equity work, that's it. No, you got to do work out out beyond your career, you know? And so for me, I try to really read a lot and I post. Um, I am a like a personality. I am. I mean... <laughs> Um, but I, I try to engage people. I mean, Nathaniel knows like on my social media, a lot of times I, I don't have the, I used to want people to respond, but I don't post for people to respond. I post in hopes that hey, if somebody read this, they'll think about it. I don't even care. You, there are some people who anytime I post something, they got something negative to say. I just delete it. But the goal is that somebody will read this and I'm not expecting to change their mind. Just plant a seed because there may be a bigger conversation that comes apart later in life. You know, I'm not, it's not my job to police that. I can't be like, hey, maybe you'll connect the dots. Hey, until you get it, that's your responsibility. But I don't want to die knowing that I didn't say I, I, I didn't contribute to something. That means to check in my own bias, how I view my people, how I view people who, you know, even maybe homeless on the street, how I view people, looking at people's realities. And a lot of that comes with connecting with the community. Um, you know, I'm not in any physical church right now um, because I just moved in. It's COVID, but I'm hoping to get involved in a church where it puts me in contact with people. You know, the homeless population, a lot of them are getting free food, different things like that. But when you sit and talk with somebody, you be like, dang, you did all that? You know, because like that PG marketing um, campaign, widen the story. You may see it's just a homeless person, but their story doesn't stop there. You know what I'm saying? Widen your story. But it has to come from intentionally going to have conversation with people. Cannot happen from social media. Like, we have to intentionally engage with realities other than our own. So that that's pretty much the advice I would have. Excellent. You, went, you know, when we started this, honestly, we were like, okay, we have to have we have to have a guest. You know, we need to engage a ton of different people on, on these important topics. And you were literally like the first person I thought of because I was like, every time I, I get on, on on social media, I see your post at the top and I'm like, this the Shaniqua miss ever? She does <laughs> oh, no, not I miss. <laughs> so every topic that you are just you are not you are not afraid to post something, say something. And, and I always I see the comments like I see <laughs> I see it all. And I was like, I think, you know, there's a lot of a, a lot of valuable conversation that comes out of it. So. Um, really, thank you for for coming on here and, and talking about this. Um, I hope that it it sparks follow up questions and and other engagement because I know there are people that are wondering the answers yeah. to some of these questions. So this is a good place to start. So seriously, thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you. I oh, thank you. Guys. Could not have <laughs> asked for anything better. This this conversation was incredible. Um, it sparked a lot for me that I'm going to go think about and, and ruminate on and research and all that stuff. And, you know, I'm just, I'm very, very appreciative of your insight and, and your thoughts and yeah, just can't say enough good things. So thank you so much for, for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Aww, and and we got through this whole thing without you telling me that I, that I get on your nerves. You didn't say that to oh. me one time. So I mean, that's because that's because I was censored. Not one time. So, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I I enjoyed this. Let me know if you guys need me for anything else. I yeah. We the people the people might want you back. Yeah, hey, I'm always talking about something. <laughs> we might need a part two, a part three. <laughs> 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you liked hearing everything from Shaniqua as much as we did. Um, it was super, super great to get her perspective on things. You guys know what to do now. Follow the Instagram. Follow the Twitter. <laughs> Any thoughts? Leave comments, suggestions, feedback. <laughs> Can't wait to have you back for the next episode. Bye. Thank you.